Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hi everyone. How's it going? You alright? You alright? Good, good, good. I'm glad you're alright. Um, Tonight, um, we're going to continue, uh, you know, just to echo what Phil says, uh, um, it is an amazing time to be part of the church of Jesus and to be part of what he's doing here. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's special and, and it's good to be together and um, as God touches our hearts, things shift and change and, you know, even tonight as we worship, I feel like, you know, as we worship at the end again, there are things that the Holy Spirit, I think, wants to do and even release in our hearts and our spirits, you know. Um, speaking in tongues, as Phil said, can sound like some, one of the weirdest things ever, and yet it's a gift by God, and it's a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual practice. Uh, it's an utterance that flows from our spirits that we can't find words for, such as the joy of the Lord bubbling up inside us and out, out of us. And um, and um, so we might need a teaching that as well as one of our practices, which uh, which maybe we will. But it's something that we do teach on, and something that I want to encourage you to even think about. And and the practice that I talk about tonight may, may well provide a bit of a space for us to practice that as well. Um, but if if you haven't been tracking with us over these Sunday nights, just really briefly to say is this um, theme, the practice that we're looking at is. Because we are feeling, as Phil alluded to, the Spirit of God is doing something powerful amongst us at the moment, and we feel excited about that, but we also feel a fear of the Lord about that. We want to steward well what the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, we're, we've kept reminding ourselves, you know, that in the greatest revival in history, Acts chapter, in, in the book of Acts, in chapter 6, is it, that we read about a story like Ananias and Sapphira. Right, which didn't end too well for either of them. Right, they were, they were carried out basically dead in the presence of God. Right, so so in the the most accelerated growth of the church probably ever in church history, things like that happen, and that's not like to to incite or to bring fear into the in, into the mix and the wrong kind of fear. It's just for us to recognize that when the holiness and the presence of God comes around, we have to steward that really well. And, uh, and that's what we, we want to do. And, and ultimately, um, we're called to be like Jesus. And these practices help us think about how we can become like Jesus. We are made for so much more than what we live for. So much more. You know, part of what we're remembering in Adoption Sunday is that we believe that people are made for so much more. Each and every one of us, those who have been brought up in Christian homes and went to church and all of that kind of thing, we're, we're made for so much more. And and those of us who haven't, you know, God wants to, to rescue and he wants to use us to rescue. And he wants us to live for so much more, to carry so much more of his presence. There's a weight of God's glory that he wants us to carry. And therefore, in order to carry the presence of God, we have to create wineskins, containers, if you want, that are flexible and fluid enough, but also robust enough to contain what God wants to pour out. What God wants to pour out is far more than we can imagine. The problem is we're just not usually ready to contain it. So God withholds sometimes because we just couldn't cope with it. 
And so some of the things that we're praying for, there's a bit of a process and we're waiting for some of those things because actually the Holy Spirit wants to change and transform something in us so that we can actually carry the things that we're praying for. And for that to happen, there has to be a change and there has to be a, a, a sense of death, a, a dying inside or a self. But the dying only leads to joy inexpressible, to life in all its fullness. And Dallas Willard said this great quote that we spend more time counting Christians these days than we do weighing them, <laughs> which is really quite profound. You know, we want to impress each other sometimes as churches with how many people we can get through the door. But really what God's after is the substance of our lives. What kind, of, what kind of weight of his presence are we carrying? When we walk into our room, how is that room upset and transformed and changed because of the atmosphere that we just carry, which is the presence of, of the Lord? Not so much what we carry in terms of our gifting and the outward kind of stuff. Oh, she's a great singer. We could use her. Or he's great like a preaching. We could use him. Or, you know what I mean? They could do it. What God's more, much more interested in is what do you carry? What weight of his presence are you, are you carrying? And you only develop a life like that by getting serious, I suppose, with God. This is our signature verse, I suppose, for the practice. And I know we've read it most weeks, but it's just it's so good. It deserves rereading. Grace and peace and yours in abundance through the knowledge of Lord Je God and our, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So I don't, I don't in, in some ways I do care, but it's a figure of speech when I say, I don't care whether you've been saved one week, or even if, if you're not saved. You were created to participate in the divine nature of God. He wants you to be like him. You're created to be his image bearer. And, uh, and though sin and evil has corrupted our, 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 our image bearing, our ability to image God well and to bear God through Jesus and the work of the cross, something new has formed, something new has taken place inside us, and we can now become regenerated into the nature of God. We can discover the original design of our lives, which is to reflect His glory and His beauty, not just to free us from our past, right, but to release us into the destiny that God always had for us, which was to bear His glory. Now, I know when I'm sitting down there, I usually hate this, right? But I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, you were born to bear the glory of God. Go for it. <clears throat> okay. You were. You were. And here's what, I, here's what I want to challenge you with tonight. I want to challenge with you. If you're, if you're not living for that, you're settling for something less. You're settling for something much less than what you're created for. And God wants, and, and, and I'm speaking to myself as well when I say that, I just want to quote this because it's so good, came across it, just really reinforces some of the other things that we've been saying. Uh, I think I've quoted C.S. Lewis over the last few weeks a few times, and particularly in his book, The Screwtape Letters, and the screw tape letters, you have to explain it because it doesn't make sense before you like do the quote. But the screw tape letters is basically uh, a very uh, <clears throat> clever way that C.S. Lewis wrote um, about how the enemy wants to trip up believers. And the, the letters are basically from a chief demon called Wormwood, 
who is writing to a junior level demon. Okay, so when, the, when I put this up and it talks about our enemy, he's talking about us and God because it's the senior demon writing to the junior demon. And this is what he says about God. So this is, this is senior demon speaking here, right? Wormwood. One must face the fact that all the talk about his, so he's talking about God, one must face the fact that all the talk about his love for man and his service being perfect freedom is not, as one would gladly believe, mere propaganda, but an appalling truth. He really does want to fill the universe with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself, creatures whose life on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own, not because he has absorbed them, listen to this, but because their wills freely conform to his. We want cattle who can finally become food. He wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled. He is full and flows over. Our war aim is a world in which our father, that's the devil below, has drawn all other beings into himself. The enemy, that's God, wants a world full of beings united to him, but still distinct. Isn't that amazing? He wants servants who can finally become sons. And so I just want to re-emphasize what we've been saying, that God wants us to be in love and relationship with him, so united to him in heart and spirit that we would take on his very likeness, that we would display his glory, and that we would do it not because we have to, but we do it because we just love him. We do it because we freely conform our will to his. We'd say, God, whatever you want to do and however you want to change me, my will is not kind of like a few degrees off. I want my will to be like right in tune with yours, like true north, going in that one direction and to be changed and transformed into your likeness. This should be our goal, our teleos, which is that kind of philosophical thought of aiming for the goal, and we want that to be like Jesus. And so, as I've said each week, or as we've taught in this, we all hopefully have an idea that this is true, but often how we get there is where we find it difficult. We find ourselves floundering, and so we want to teach certain practices where we can engage not just our minds, because we're not just brains on a stick, we're not just thinking things, but how we can engage our whole bodies, which is why we lift our hands, that's a practice. We lift our hands, we need all of those things, because we want our whole wills to respond, our whole bodies and souls to God. And so these practices that we've been teaching, or some of them are things that Jesus practiced and engaged with, and others are um, practices that have been practiced right down through church history. And they've become tools for people to center themselves, and this is the key, center ourselves so that we can receive the real transforming presence of Jesus Christ right into our hearts afresh, wherever we are, wherever we may be. And, uh, and in case you think that this is just some like wee private kind of monk-like existence, right? The reality is the people who practice these kind of things, the people who practice these practices, right, are our forefathers. We have a legacy of this in Ireland, okay? And those, St. Patrick and his cronies and all of those, the Celts back in the day, as they practice these things, they didn't just you know, we think, oh, they just went off to a cave somewhere and did these wee practices. They actually changed the landscape of a nation. We are living in the legacy of 
practices that they engaged with so that they could become like Jesus, and in doing so, it shaped and transformed the destiny of a nation. That's why we're called the land of saints and scholars, because people actually did this stuff. And so we want to encourage you to practice these practices, engage them, let them be like strengthening your core muscles, because Christianity is more a way of life and a set of practices to follow than it is a few ideas to believe. Right? Christianity is more a way of life and a set of practices to engage with than it is a few ideas to believe. Right? We actually get changed. But a lot of us have been brought up just hearing the four spiritual laws, believe that, and that'll do you. Now, that's not unimportant, but we're made for so much more. We're made for so much more. We're made to behold the presence of Jesus. We're made, we're made, as Robbie said, we're made to for face-to-face encounter with the God of the universe. That's what we're made for. And uh, you can think of it like the gym, strengthening your muscles, or, or you can think of it, the other great metaphor is the process of falling in love. You know what? You know, there's feeling, and you don't really need to practice anything because you're just taking up on it. And then you realize that the feelings kind of come and go a bit. And you need to put practices in place in order for your love to mature. And I have realized that every year that goes by, and I'm not married anywhere near as long as many of you, but we're one step closer to being that 80-year-old couple, if God spurs us, walking down the beach hand in hand. Right? But that's not going to come just because we're going to feel it for all those years. That's only going to come if there's certain practices are put in place that allow our love to mature. So why would you not do it with Jesus? <laughs> the lover of our souls. And so the practice we're going to take a few minutes and then practice tonight is the examine. Now, don't switch off. Let me try and explain. <clears throat> the examine, okay, is something that you've probably never heard of. I'm going to try my best here. The examine is a way of helping us recognize that our whole lives are already infused with the presence of God right? Our lives are already infused with the presence of God. He's all around us, but often we don't recognize it. Or often we experience God, but we miss the meaning. We miss the meaning. We just are like, oh, that was great tonight. Like the hairs in the back of my head were, you know, just really encountered the presence of God. It was so cool. Like we're waving flags and shouting and yes, we gave a big victory shout. We, we got the experience, but we missed the meaning. Because we don't know how to, often we don't know how to reflect on what God might be wanting to say to us and do in us. Um, a great just biblical passage before I tell you a little bit more about it that explains this point is Moses. Moses had, had been in the desert for 40 years after he had murdered the Egyptian. And then after 40 years it says, now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Just a normal day, going around the desert with his normal little flock of sheep. But this day, he notices something. He notices a bush on fire, but yet not being consumed. That's odd, isn't it? It's not, you know what, it's not odd to see a bush on fire in the desert. In fact, it's quite normal because it's very hot. Bushes can just go on fire without anybody lighting them. 
But this one was on fire and it was not being consumed. So Moses said, listen, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. So the practice of the examine is really the idea of turning aside. Because here's the question I want to ask you. How many burning bushes are you missing every day? How many, how many bushes that are burnt up but not consumed in the small little details of life, in the little hunches of the spirit that you just didn't follow through on? How many of those do we miss by just not turning aside? So the examine is really a way of helping us turn aside. But before I tell you more, let me tell you about the guy that, who is um, kind of credited with the examine. He's a, he's a dude called Ignatius of Loyola. That's him there. He probably looked, hopefully, a bit happier than that. Um, and, um, but he lived around 400 years ago. Uh, he was born in, in 1491 in the Basque region of Spain, and he spent most of his life training to be a soldier. It's re he's reported um, to have been pretty hot-tempered, a bit of a ladies' man, and pretty vain, really, in most of his attempts and ambition in life. And so he went into the army, and during a battle in 1512, he was injured by a cannonball, and his leg was shattered pretty much. And that led to months of painful recuperation. And while he's recovering, his brother's wife gave him a book of the life of Jesus and a life in the saints. And as he reluctantly read these books, because he couldn't really do much else because he was recuperating, he began to wonder if he could emulate some of these great saints. He's, he wrote, what if I could do this which St. Francis did, which had been St. Francis of Assisi, and what St. Dominic did? And so we could say that this vain ambition that he had for life, he just transferred to Christianity. But I like to think that he realized as he read these books that he was made for more. That there was something he was missing in his life. And it was there in his bedroom that he surrendered to God. He quit the army and completely devoted his whole life to God. And then in, at age 31, he took a pilgrimage to a Benedictine abbey in another part of Spain. And while he was there, he started to enter life a rigorous spiritual discipline, prayer, fast, and Bible reading. He probably got a bit legalistic. He probably got a bit OTT. And he had some periods of real dry, difficult times with God. But then he also had some profound mystical experiences. And it was in those mystical experiences when he was encountering the law that he wrote what's called his spiritual practices. Now, the reason I want to say this is I feel that we are having some profound times with Jesus these days. And I think there's more profound times with Jesus to come. Like, I mean, scary levels of intimacy where he wants to completely undo us with his love. And when that happens, you have to steward that well. You have to have certain practices in place that don't take that for granted, right? that allow us to engage with that and train others to do that. And this is what Ignatius is doing. He has encountered something fresh of the Lord. He has contended and driven right into the heart of God. And as he's done that, God has revealed himself to us because God loves, as Bruce Springsteen sings, a hungry heart, right? God loves a hungry heart. And as he does that, he leads other people in this way. And it's him and through him that when he goes to university in Paris and he starts to gather a few friends and they start to pray and get passionate for Jesus together, that they start this, um, what we know as the Jesuits or the Society of Jesus, and um, which has gone on to send missionaries all over the world. And so remember, this is probably around the time of the Reformation, so they're all trying to work it out. There's been huge problems with the church 
of that day. The Reformation has been a reaction to that. But also within that, there were certain moments and certain men like this who wanted the real thing, who wanted Jesus more than anything else, pushed into his heart, pushed into his presence, were changed and transformed and led others in it. I love the fact that then he writes spiritual practices. Isn't it brilliant in that time of um, you know, history that people kind of argued over things like how to become like Jesus? <laughs> Today we argue over theology, what we believe and what we don't believe. And that day people argued about what was the best way or practice or set of exercises to become like Jesus. That would be a far better argument, wouldn't it? It'd be a far better argument to go, well, is it this way or is it that way? Well, we follow in St. Francis's way. or some, you know, That was the argument. And while it mightn't have been nice all the time, at least it was about how to become like Jesus, not about who's right. right? And so what we see with um, St. Ignatius is one of the practices is, is the examine. Now, young people, don't switch off when you hear the word examine because it sounds like exam. Or for those of you who school exams, when you think back, make you come out in a rush, okay? Please, please don't, like, switch off just yet. Let me try and help you. Um, the, the term examine, or one of the spiritual practices, the examine, comes from the idea of the examination of conscience. An examination of our conscience is a reflection on our own lives. But because we are prone just to think negatively about that and to feel guilty when it comes to conscience, conscience we use the word which is where its original Spanish meaning, Spanish name is the word examine, we use that because what we're looking for is not something to shame us and make us feel guilty or to think about our conscience in the way that we would often think about it with negative overtures, but it's to help us widen that out and think about our lives in a much more open, holistic way where God can meet us in the midst of our everyday. I suppose one of the verses in the Bible, in the Psalms, that helps Elevate the need for a practice of this is this well-known one in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. I'm opening my heart. Search me, O God, and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a great prayer to pray for your life. If I was you, I'd pray that every single day, probably a few times. <laughs> just learn that one and just keep saying it. Search me, O God. Know me. Try me test me. And often we don't do that because we're afraid of God. Do you know what? It's a really sad thing to be afraid of God. That is, that's a really sad thing. And I know some of you are sitting there going, oh, but a wee bit of fear is good. But it's not that kind of fear. It's not that kind of fear. And if you're sitting there thinking about it in the nicest possible way, and I'm talking to myself because I had it for years, you, you need to get that knocked out of you. And the way it gets knocked out of you is not actually, that's not a very good phrase to use because the Lord does it very gently, right? But that kind of fear is not of God. In, in that way, God does, not, God does not judge us in that way. God, yes, will judge sin, and one day we have to stand before judge, all of that. But God comes to us as, as love. And He wants us to deal with our sin, yes. But that whole process is wrapped up and enveloped in a loving experience where he invites us into his heart because he's saying to us, you were made for more. And so those other practices that you're doing that aren't helpful, I'd really love to show you another way. So this practice is done at nighttime, which I'll tell you in a moment, 
It's done at night time. And so I think maybe what God's saying to some of us is, rather than watch that box set just before you go to sleep, which isn't wrong, why not try this? What, rather than have that glass of wine, why not do this? Why, why not try this? I'd love to invite you into more. I'd love to invite you. Maybe change some of those practices so you can pick up this practice so we can encounter the presence of the Lord. And so in this chapter, there's like an openness. It's like the psalmist is going, God, I'm not afraid of you. I'm just opening my whole heart up to you. Come, come into my heart because I know that you'll not shame me, God. <laughs> God gets no pleasure out of shaming people. It's not on God's radar. That's the enemy, and that's what we do to ourselves and to one another. God never partners with shame. Never, ever. God's not into shame. He never, ever partners with them. God partners with love. There's no fear in love. And so the psalmist, I think, has, a, has, a, has an idea of this. And he's opening his heart up and he's saying, test me, come in, try me, lead me into life. And so the examine is a way of trying to help us become aware, aware of all the ways that God is trying to speak to us throughout the day. And we've just missed. I love this quote. The examine makes us aware of moments that at first we might easily pass by as insignificant, the burning bush, moments that ultimately can give direction for our lives. It's a form of centering prayer in the broad sense of the word. It helps us arrive at a place where we become more consistently aware of the presence of God. And the examine is a tool to help us do that. It's usually done in the evenings, okay? And this is, this is what it is in five steps. So 9.33, 10 minutes should help me explain it. And then 10 minutes we're going to do it together. All right? You happy? Are you sure you're happy? Come on. Let yourself smile. The joy of the Lord is in this place, right? It's all over this place, right? So examine prayer steps, right? Five steps all begin with R um, because preachers do that, right? The first thing, the first, the first part of the examine is to recenter. So we've talked about centering prayer. So at night, what we'd encourage you to do is find a quiet place at the end of the day and open yourself up to the presence of God. Okay? Befriend silence. Stop. Just allow all the twitching and all the nervous energy. Allow it all just to subside and just befriend silence. Look at your friend. Become aware of your breathing. Breathe in and breathe out. And allow your heart and your mind and your body to settle and then invite the presence of Jesus. So what I might do is just say, come Lord Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. I do some practical things that help me I and maybe light a candle in my study. Sometimes I take my shoes off or something. Just something that breaks the state of men because I just like, feel like I'm on, on a holy ground or something. You know? Turn the lights off in the room, just sit in the dark. <laughs> Phil does that. Um, he's not weird. I do, it, I do it too, yeah. Because in those moments, as Augustine said, I quoted this in the center in prayer, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself in those moments. Right, so we recenter. You just be still. Be still. We review, or you could say replay, or you could say reflect. <laughs> just getting carried away with my hours, but I've put two in, right? Kind of three. Reflect on your day. So as you settle yourself, just start to reflect on your day, right? Just start to almost think of your life that day like a movie. And just rehearse your day in your mind. Re rethink it through. Okay, replay it in your mind. And then 
notice what you notice. Right? Does that make sense? Notice what you notice. Oh, I'm still feeling annoyed by that person, that conversation. <laughs> yeah? And this, or, I had a brilliant conversation. That was just like a coffee we had today. It was just, it was just good for my soul. Right? Just start to notice those things and what you're reacting to and what you're stirred by. Just take some time to notice it. There's a, just on this one, this quote is really good. The examine is immediate, an immediate solution to the problem. What do I pray about? Did you ever do that? Sit down to pray. What am I going to pray? Well, reflect on your day. The answer is everything that's happened to you today. You might have the impression that your everyday life is the dreamy, same old, same old. It isn't. Daily life is rich and meaningful. Every encounter, every challenge, every disappointment, and every delight is a place where God can be found. Right? So in the old days, maybe some of you still do it, people used to keep like a diary, right? Um, anybody, anybody keep a diary? Like daily, almost daily? Uh, a couple of people, right? So it's like a dying kind of art, right? Um, now, not just a di- like a diary is great, just to keep a diary and for a diary's sake. But when we do it kind of in and under the presence of God, we start to become aware of all the burning bushes that we miss, right? Okay? So... Third thing, after we review our day, then rejoice. Thank God for those moments that you were obvious and that were non-obvious, things that you just want to thank God for. It might have been just a really tender moment that you had with one of your friends. It might have been a conversation you had with your son or daughter. It might be a text message that came through that really encouraged you. Um... It might be good news that you got. It might be a task that you've done that you've completed and you feel. It might be thanking God for some of the gifts that he's given you. And it might be all those things that we forget to thank God for. Those two or three meals that we had today that were just nourishing from a body. The fact that your family went through the day and they're all safe and sound. The fact that the prayers that your mom or your dad or your granny or your granny prayed for you today have been answered because you're still alive. (laughs) You're still breathing. You've still got the gift of life. You're healthy. You might be thanking God for those things. And then really, not just like a kind of, oh, thanks, God. Bless you for that, right? Yeah, like relish it, savor it. And feel the smile of God on your life because of it. And maybe, maybe finish it by holding, like what, let put it like it, what made your heart smile today? What, what happened if you were using an emoji, right? For the young people, I'm trying to stay cool here, right? At the end of the day, what would be a happy face, right? What would be a happy face at the end? What are those things that if you were, like something just happened and I, I, I sent my friend a happy face, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> That didn't work, right? Hold, hold one thing and hold maybe one thing before the Lord just in, in rejoice. Fourth thing, two more, repent. Just become aware of some of those things that you did today that could have been a bit more like Jesus. Now remember, it's not because God is up there going, right, we're going to count your sins for today. 
right? God's not here to shame us. We're saying sorry for those moments that come to mind. Now, remember, um, we're going to do this now in a moment, but remember, when we recenter at the very start, the first one, we're coming into the presence of God. We're inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're inviting Jesus to come into us. So we're trusting that in the process of all these other hours, that the things that come to mind and the way the Holy Spirit draws things are things that he's laying in our heart. So you don't need to go looking for bad things, right? We're kind of a bit addicted to that in Northern Ireland. Like, how can I find how much of a sinner I am, right? How can I, like, make myself less and less and less and less, right? God's not into that. So you need to put your big stick away and realize that he's a father in heaven who wants to draw us into more, who, yes, he wants to deal with our sin, but isn't there to make us feel as guilty as we can about it. He wants to... He wants us to say sorry, and he wants us to receive his forgiveness. But, but sometimes we don't see those things that we need to repent of because we're so kind of consumed with what we else we should feel guilty about, if that makes sense. But when we really reflect on our day, then we go, do you know what, that conversation, I just really reacted with an aggressive kind of tone. Or I felt myself get competitive with somebody else in the room. <laughs> and he says to me, she's in this little thing with her conscience. She was, we were driving the road and the, uh, along this morning on the way to church, and she was writing a birthday card for a little cousin, and she said to me, Daddy, can I tell you something? I really want Rosie to have a really good birthday party, but for some reason there's a wee part of me that doesn't want her <laughs> to have a really good birthday. You know, I'm like, so like in that moment, I'm thrust into this kind of like, how do I parent this? You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm like, well, Pat, it's so good that you're so honest. It's so good that you could tell me that driving along. And I know, for goodness sake, she's seven, right? But she, she, she said that. And then in another part of me, the father of me, like, and he don't need to feel guilty about that anymore, Pat. Because she was. She's like me in a seven-year-old body, right? She, 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 she was... Do you know what I'm saying? So all of these emotions are going on because I'm her father, you know? And part of me's so proud, if that's the right word, that she's so sensitive to the way she's feeling and she knows what she shouldn't feel. But she brought it into the light before her father. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as a father, what did I want to go? Well, that's a terrible thing that you... You know what I mean? That's just not what I would have done there. It was just like, honey, it's so good that you've done this, love. And, and now you don't need to feel guilty. It's, a, it's in the light. And what we'll do is, it would be a really good idea. Why don't you ask God to help you want Rosie to have a really good party? And she says, well, will you pray, Daddy? And I says, well, it'd be good if you prayed. So you, she prayed first, her own little prayer. And then I prayed. And in that moment, something was brought into the light. Yeah? And, and, and she gets to grow up mature in the Lord. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. We, we relive our day we think about the times we lack compassion, the person that we walk past that we think the Lord might have wanted us to stop with. Not responding to a nudge of the Spirit. And in that moment, we, we receive God's forgiveness afresh. And so what I would do as that happens, I'd think of, I'd boil it down to one thing, one thing in particular, and I'd talk to Jesus like a friend because he listens to us without judgment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he listens to you without judgment? That's the challenge. And then finally, 
we resolve for the day ahead, the next day. We resolve to live for Jesus tomorrow. We ask for God's grace to see his presence more clearly tomorrow. I might say, God, is there anything I want to leave behind from this day? Or is there anything I want to carry into this day? Sorry, carry into the next day. So here's some of the things I want to leave behind. I've been feeling guilty about this. I've been anxious about this. I'm just I'm offering up to you. Sometimes even using your hands. using Watch the posture of your hands as you do these things. I'm just lifting. I'm just giving that over to you, Jesus. You, you take that stuff. I'm not going to try and worry about that tonight as I go to sleep. I'm going to leave this with you because I can't do anything about it. I'm going to ask for forgiveness for the thing that I did. I'm not going to like start feeling guilty first thing in the morning again. Yeah? I'm just going to leave that there. Tomorrow I'm going to start afresh with you. And then I'd finish by at the bottom there. Behold God beholding you. Allow your imagination to do some work. Behold God. In other words, think of God holding you and smiling. And then go to sleep. Because the Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. Sleep. (laughs) Right? So, final thoughts, and then we're going to do it. This, you can do this in five minutes, or it can take one hour. Right? You choose. It's usually the best time to do it is night, but you can do it throughout the day as well. I do it with a cup of hot milk, usually. Right? And I'm a slippers on. I, am, I know. I'm coming 40 next year. You can tell. Right? But I just like to kind of do it with something that makes me, like a wee routine. Like, I just need a break because if I don't, I'll maybe stick a TV on or something. I'll just watch nonsense for it, like you know. And I'm not. I'm not saying like a bit of mind-numbing stuff isn't. You know, you don't need that now and again. But you know, it's ten or fifteen minutes just sitting with Jesus. You know what? I I felt about a year ago. I was sitting in the sto- in my room one night. I was sitting on the sofa in the living room. Everybody else was sleeping, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "Alan, if you sit here, I'll come and sit beside you." I'll just come and sit beside you. So that's what we're trying to do. Just because he never fails. He just comes and sits beside me. And often there's not much talk. He just, he just comes and sits beside me. Sometimes I light a candle. You can do it with your eyes closed, your eyes open, whatever way you want to. Try and make a habit of it. If you do it tonight, when you go home, it'll be great. If you do it once... It's fine. If you do it all the time, you'll get transformed. Right? If you do it once, it'll be okay. I mean, that was cool. Nice wee tool there. I'll give us a... If you do it, if you get into the habit of doing it, you'll get changed. You'll get transformed. You know all the stuff that you're working on that, <laughs> that hasn't just got transformed yet? That's the kind of stuff that will get transformed. You'll start being more like Jesus. You'll find yourself more patient. You'll find yourself kinder you'll find that you'll start to listen better than what you do instead of trying to reload and tell everybody how much you know. You'll find yourself listening better. You'll find yourself gentler. You'll find yourself a bit more tender. You'll find yourself much less hot-headed. You'll find yourself slowly but surely changed and transformed into the character of Jesus so that when we come here on these Sunday nights and we encounter the presence of the living God, and make no mistake, that's what it is. It's the presence of the living God. 
that we don't walk out and go to McDonald's on the way home and for goodness sake, by that evening we're watching something we shouldn't watch. Or we're up the next morning barking at people and fighting with people, you know. But that encounter that we had on Sunday night actually got contained in a wineskin that transformed us into the likeness of Jesus. That's what we want to do. It's not another duty to perform, right? It's a simple dialogue with God and friendship. And all we've done tonight is give you a shape. All Ignatius was doing was giving you a shape for that conversation. Think about it not like as a duty have to stick rigidly to. Just think of it as a bit of a flow of conversation, of friendship that you have with God. All right? So we're going to do it, and then we're going to sing, and then we're done. Happy enough? We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.